This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science. What it is and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley. And me, Daniel Lakens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In this episode, we discuss the role of trust in science. Why should we trust other scientists? And why should those outside science trust us? What are the prerequisites for building trust within the scientific community? Who is ultimately responsible for verifying our claims and practices upon which those claims are based? And should we give personality tests to those entering science? Enjoy. It seems paradoxical that scientific research, in many ways of the most questioning and skeptical of human activities, should be dependent on personal trust. But the fact is that without trust, the research enterprise could not function. Research is a collegial activity that requires its practitioners to trust the integrity of their colleagues. So this is a quote by Arnold S. Relman, who is a medical and social you know, scientist, professor. Mm -hmm. This is a quote that was in a paper called The Role of Trust in Knowledge by John Hardwig. Um, Mm. A very nice, very nice little article published in 1991 in the Journal of Philosophy. And it's all about um, the role of trust, yeah, in epistemology and sort of knowledge generation, um, which is the topic for today. Yeah. Yeah. Completely criticizing the title of our entire podcast. (laughs) Nullius in Verba. (laughs) <laughs> basically saying that we're full of well anyway you know uh, like yeah. nice sounds cool but that's not how it works science could o- couldn't operate without trust yeah yeah and so i mean yeah one of the ways it gets translated in alias and verba or the, another way to say it um is mentioned sometimes you know trust but verify um mm-hmm. and we decided to call this podcast verify but trust yes. right so just spinning it around and saying that yeah they both might be sort of equally important Mm -hmm. but it seems that this um trust that we are supposed to have and i think philosophers call it in a fancy way they call it epistemic trust Mm. so so not just trusting you know that you will show up on time for this podcast (laughs) recording yeah but when we generate knowledge we have to put trust in other people Mm-hmm. Because we can't verify all aspects of a scientific process ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are two main reasons for this that might become increasingly important. So we mm. might increasingly have to rely on trust. I think that might be something. And why do you think that is? Are you going to go into it? Well, I don't know, but I have the feeling that in the 1800s, if you wanted to take a look at what a prisma did with light. You could just get a prisma and play around with it mm. and do some of these experiments yourself. Hmm. Um, so a lot of these studies were done by single people, but I think we're increasingly going to, well, so so these two aspects that are happening in science. One is sort of a division of cognitive labor. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does everything. Yeah. Uh, in a study anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we'll probably talk about aspects such as data analysis, which somebody else might do. 
Right. Um, and not everybody checks, for example, mm-hmm. but uh, you can even think of bigger collaborations where, you know, the Large Hadron Collider, I know people who work for the Large Hadron Collider and they make a tiny mirror that's four years of work for their PhD and then they mm-hmm. bring it down into this huge machine somewhere and they're just like, yeah, yeah. it's somewhere down there. That was my contribution to this entire project, you know? And right. yeah, yeah. So a lot of people don't even know that that little mirror is there or whatever. So so that's uh, a thing. And the other is increasing specialization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More complex. So more complex, yeah, ways of yeah. doing science and scientific, yeah, the things that we do, but also just more and more people, more collaborative teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the two reasons I think we need to trust others uh, with the knowledge that we generate, that mm-hmm. they did their part, they did it yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's getting probably more important over time. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think Hardwick makes kind of the same point as well, right? Mm-hmm. That we have to, things are getting more complex. Collaborative research is like the way things are moving towards. So it's it's going to be very difficult not to, yeah, you can't know everything, right? And in fact, mm-hmm. he makes the argument that it's, we can get to the truth in a way that's collective. You cannot even get mm-hmm. to the truth on your own in a way. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it, it's sort of a collective thing. Yeah. 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 And um, I think there's also a lot of talk about how this collective nature of science is the reason that we should trust what we do. Um, mm, right. In the sense mm-hmm. that, yeah, why would other people trust science? So I think maybe we want to actually talk a bit more about why in scientific collaborations we trust each other but of mm-hmm. course a big topic is why other people maybe the general public should trust, should trust. science yeah because it's not it's not like a divine knowledge that's coming right to one person mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. The, yeah a prophet right it's that yeah we are all yeah. in it together and everybody verifies everybody's work and so that's what yeah. gives it credence yeah it's a good point. exactly so yeah. we don't want to rely on authority Mm-hmm. But we want people to trust us for a good reason. And mm-hmm. the good reason is, yeah, exactly. At, at least that's what philosophers of science say, like Helen Longino or uh, Naomi Oreskes, for example. Like, yeah, people check each other's work. Um, you can trust them because, yeah, indeed, they verify what yeah. other people are doing. But then when I think about the extent to which we really do this, and of course, sometimes this is true. You know, mm-hmm. we do this replication finally or something, you know, mm-hmm. somebody else builds on the same work, checks it. So mm-hmm. it does happen sometimes. And I think, um, but, I, but I have the feeling that the fields sometimes they talk about mm-hmm. um, are not really psychology in the sense that psychology is so much more fragmented. Mm. So they're not like a hundred people who are studying the same thing and checking right. each other's individual studies, right? They mm-hmm. all do their own different thing. So um, to what extent do you think that we actually do this verification process? I mean, yeah, in, in contemporary psychology, I think there's a lot of value, maybe also in other other areas, but definitely there's a lot of value pa- placed on you know, making novel contributions and having your pet theory and everybody sort of running after their own little thing. And I actually, do, yeah, don't think there's a lot of verifying the stuff that you, in the in the discipline that you're in or whatever the line of research, people don't actually go back and be like, first, let's check and verify mm-hmm. that the work that's been done before. And that, that also might just be difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. And even even people who might be working on the same thing, it's almost like it's incentivized to call, give it a new name, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now instead of calling it, you know, conscientiousness, we'll call it grit and we'll, you know, add an, uh, mm-hmm. some other flavor to it. And that, right? So it's a lot of just, yeah, 
everybody's trying to do their own thing. So not not a lot of ver- verification of each other's work. And yeah, maybe maybe that is, yeah, it's not even a function of that we're not working on the same thing. It's that we might be working on the same thing, but everybody's being in- incentivized to call it something else and pretend like it's something new. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and of course, verification happens sometimes, and maybe more so now, like uh, at least people try to have more independent replications of things than before. But nevertheless, this sort of collective, like 200 people looking over each other's shoulder yeah. and checking each other, that mm-hmm. kind of thing that sometimes I think philosophers of science think that we're supposed to do or think yeah. that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how often has somebody looked over your shoulder over your research process? Like, you know, when do you remember somebody really checking your work carefully? Never. Nobody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I do mm-hmm. a lot, but it's, yeah. That's the that's one of the things that really worries me, um, mm. is that there is nobody checking your work uh, and making sure that you've you know either done things correctly or even just as a yeah even collaborators or you know my writers and stuff it's mm. like yeah barely ever happened, and mm. so you mm. even it's not even that you might be right like I mean I don't I, I think I'm not sloppy with what I do but even then it's like oh, it would be nice to have another pair of eyes on stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, what if you made a mistake and nobody caught it? Right. Yeah. And maybe what do you think the expectation should be here? What should we be doing here? It's a good question. Well, maybe that's actually my main point in asking it. Yeah. Because I think on the one hand, you have philosophers of science who say, surely we can trust scientists to do something decent and generate reliable knowledge because mm-hmm. they are checking each other in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually they think this is a very active process. Uh, the peer review process is of course part of this and all those kind of things. They think we live in a state of constant criticism. Yeah. And then there's the other side, which is, you know, yeah, I think your experience, my experience as well, how often is every component of something you do checked? Well, every component is really much, right? Maybe. Yeah. In the beginning, somebody will sit next to you when you analyze some data, but maybe not even. Um, and and then the question is, what are the expectations about how often we should do this? And I think we don't discuss this topic. Yeah. So how yeah. do we do this in practice, right? And it seems to be a rather essential part of doing science. And I think if you ask, so so what are we supposed to do here? Yeah, you get exactly your answer. Like, good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to do here, right? So this divide interests me. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they check your work when they're criticizing it. So maybe, you know, mm-hmm. it's not before the fact. Your friend and colleague Paul Connor once said that I wish, like, I wish everybody evaluated my work the way you know, like when you have like Twitter mobs going after certain research, <laughs> then yeah. they really dig in right yeah. into like yeah. the very fine details of everything. It'd be like, wouldn't it be nice if if somebody did that beforehand? So yeah. maybe you just make a lot of enemies and then <laughs> then anything you do. But of course, the, the downside is like a lot of that happens post right? Like after you've already published and stuff, which I, I yeah. honestly don't know how to make it. I mean, one thing that I haven't seen done, which again, it's, that should also be emphasized is you mm-hmm. being critical of your own work a lot more mm-hmm. and double, right? Like a lot of the times I do think things, I mean, I wouldn't say sloppy, but it's not really emphasize mm-hmm. that you should be extremely careful in how mm-hmm. you do anything right <laughs> like like you should be your worst critic and just going and double checking everything and constantly right mm-hmm. like making sure that you've done things right because yeah and a nobody else will do it 
right? Mm. And B, like you really need to be. So I think, yeah, Hardwick in this um, article makes this good point of like, in order to be able to trust other scientists, they need to be trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Given So he says, right, even truthfulness will not give A good reasons to believe that B, so A and B, believes that she has good reasons when she does not. So this is like, if you want to trust somebody um, in science, mm-hmm. it's not just to think that they're being truthful because they could be wrong about it, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So in, in addition to being truthful, B must first be competent. Mm-hmm. So she must mm-hmm. n- be knowledgeable about what constitutes good reason in the domain of her expertise. And she must have kept herself up to date with those reasons. So you mm-hmm. should be sort of competent and be knowledgeable. Yeah, mm-hmm. knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Second, B must be conscientious. She must mm-hmm. have done her own work carefully and thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. third, B must have adequate epistemic self-assessment. That is, B must not have a tendency to deceive herself about the ex- extent of her knowledge, its reliability, or its applicability um, to mm. whether something is true. And so I think this sort of self, again, yeah, being sort of self-critical, being very careful, and being, yeah, competent and knowledgeable. That I mean, you you need that to be mm-hmm. able to be both, you know, that we can, tr- the others can trust that you are trustworthy, right? And we need that. So I do think it, like, unfortunately, it comes to a lot of sort of internal factors that determine whether we can trust other people, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, very nice. Very nice summary. And I had been reading a paper that's related, also comes up with three things. I'll just mention it. They're <laughs> nice. overlapping. And it's nice. Yeah. Our independent reading is at least, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, makes me trust these kind of dimensions, online <laughs> dimensions, yeah. a bit more as accurate. So I, I read a paper, Trust in Science and the Science of Trust uh, by mm-hmm. Hendrik Skinhoys and nice. Broma. Mm-hmm. And they also mentioned three things. Uh, the first is similar to yours. It's expertise. Mm-hmm. You ha- need to have expertise to do reliable things. Yeah. The second is integrity. I think they mean sort of. Yeah. Also this conscientiousness maybe aspect mm-hmm. of it. And the third they call benevolence. Oh. And it reminded me a little bit of our uh, virtues kind of episodes, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you want to do the right thing for the for world, the right. I guess, yeah. you know, you don't, yeah. you're not in it for the wrong reasons. Um, right. And I guess it's a little bit related to the last one you mentioned, like you're not fooling yourself or something or, but you're doing it for the right reasons. And mm-hmm. so if this is something that we need to trust somebody, mm-hmm. then does it automatically follow we basically can't trust any first year PhD student? Yeah. Because they don't have expertise yet, do they? <laughs> no. And what's interesting is, I mean, expertise itself depends on trust, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bit of a circular thing because like you consider somebody an expert when you think you can trust their opinion on something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's right. really, yeah, 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 yeah. It's essential part, an essential part. Of course, you have to have expertise. Otherwise, we can't know if we can trust you. And I don't think, um, because we don't spell this out so clearly, mm-hmm. it might really be a topic that is difficult to discuss with maybe even a PhD or the other way around. So I think mm-hmm. a PhD student is unlikely you know, currently to go to their supervisor and say, look, I don't think you can trust me. Yeah. I mean, I used to do that. Like, <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> you and used you to should... say, like, I don't think you can trust me? No, no, yeah. not that. But I mean, no, really, I mean, we should have more guardrails for, like, younger people. Because, again, yeah, like mm. you say, they don't have the expertise. They don't, right? And sometimes it's like, in order to know what you might be doing, you need to know things before you can even know that you are wrong about certain things. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's hard to even know what to focus on or what might be important to mention or con- yeah. or consider or think about if you don't even have the prerequisite knowledge mm-hmm. or expertise to know that what what will and will not matter. Right. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. a certain yeah. in a certain domain. Yeah. So it's. um Yeah. But what what were you doing when you were a PhD? Were you really saying like you can't trust me, or were you no, afraid no. to say like <laughs> you can't trust me? That part. No, no, no. I was joking. I didn't actually say that. But I mean, mm. my goal, my, what I try to do every time I'm working with people is just to give them everything. So if I've mm. done something, mm. be like, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Like I will yeah. give you a summary of what I did, but here are all of it. Yeah. Check for me. Even I. So I, I did a replication a few years ago, and I I sent everything to the original author, like the code, mm-hmm. the, the you know the mm-hmm. whatever and stuff. And I'm like, look, take a look. Let me know. And it's and and I thought they would have the incentive, like if I've done something mm-hmm. wrong, to find it for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So be like, yeah. here's everything, and I will tell you what we found, but don't take my word for it. Right. Yeah. Like, verify it yeah. for yourself. But I don't think a lot of people do that. Right. It's yeah. um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So at least um, being completely transparent in all the things yeah. you've done and having a good log of everything and a yeah. good documentation. Mm-hmm. Like this is how I did all these things. This is where these mm-hmm. numbers come from, for yeah. example, or where yeah. these decisions mm-hmm. were made. That helps. That helps. Transparency helps with being able to see if somebody made a mistake or yeah. F- yeah, wasn't expert enough uh, to do it. I think that's yeah. nice. But sometimes I worry whether if you're open and transparent and you seem like you're doing everything you know, right, then people take that as a heuristic that, oh, you must, I don't need to check it now. Mm Because you seem mm -hmm, like somebody mm -hmm, who's conscientious. mm -hmm. So like, oh, now I don't, and I'm like, this is totally like not. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think, so this is a a lovely bridge to the second point that they mentioned. And I think it's nice because integrity, um, how do you know if somebody has integrity, right? Um, I mean, so often you know it of some collaborators, you just know how they work, you get to know them, then you mm -hmm. know if they, they have this or not. And I think in the past, a decade ago, mm-hmm. if you were doing open science, mm-hmm. where nobody was rewarding this, it wasn't easy to do, it wasn't appreciated by people, I think it was a pretty strong signal. Mm. Uh, I think uh, in some fields, they would call this a costly signal right. that, that you were, um, yeah, you had integrity, basically, because otherwise, why would you be doing these things? Mm-hmm. But I agree with you nowadays regrettably for all the people who are still doing open science for the right reasons, I think it's less of a clear signal signal. because it's just expected. Many journals want you to upload the data. I think many people think, well, let's just pre-register because otherwise we might get into trouble during the peer review process. So it's no longer like so strongly tied maybe to integrity. Although of course, everybody with integrity would still try to you know, do it where appropriate. Um, and and yeah. now it's an incentive, right? Now th- now it's being incentivized. And anytime you have mm-hmm. an incentive system, people will try to game it, right? Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. people who get badges for, you know, open data and open code and materials and stuff. And you go in and it's right a, a whole lot of mess. So you yeah. can definitely, yeah, yeah less, less yeah. of a signal now than... But yeah. do you think one of the things then would be that it's... um If it's a costly thing, that you're doing something without getting any incentives for it. And it's actually more costly mm-hmm. for you to do. Yeah, that's typically a sign. I mean, that's what they call a costly costly signal, yeah. right? So if you want a signal that you really care about good science, it has to come at some cost. And I think nowadays just pre-registration doesn't come at a very high cost. People mm-hmm. might still think, wow, that was a lot of work or difficult to learn, but yeah, relatively less of a cost because mm-hmm. it's sort of yeah, much more beneficial later, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, not so clear whether you get any benefits in terms of integrity, but integrity is important to trust people. I think it's clear. And um, yeah, this last bene- benevolence, I think, is also kind of nice. You really have to 
trust that somebody is giving you information for the right reasons or something. I think that's also interesting. So if I were to ask you, like, think of researchers, you know, who you think have integrity, like what? Yeah. Why do you think they have integrity? Yeah, typically it becomes known after working with them for a while. You know, you can see that they won't cut corners. They won't um, take the easy way out. Um, if there is an issue, a difficult issue to decide, you feel that they make the yeah correct decision mm. when there are decisions to be made, which could go either way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those kind of things. So it's really like the actions of individuals. Yeah. Um, and I think it is really important to recognize that people have these similar values, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it, this was also easier to see a decade ago because then if I would start a new collaboration with somebody, they would just be like, so so h- how much of an issue is this open science stuff going to be? Like, how difficult is this going to make? And then you would yeah. already know, like, okay, okay, never mind, yeah, yeah. never mind, maybe you shouldn't work, you know, it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But, but I wanted to come back one second for our young PhD student. And I'm saying young PhD, but I mean, you know, 50 year old doing something for the first time without any expertise as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it should be totally fine to say i mean what you do is a good approach just share everything openly and hoping other people will check of course Mm -hmm. um we need to follow up if they do this but in general you can just signal uh, because maybe people don't want to check everything all the time. I mean, I think that's our issue, more or less, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we yeah, would yeah. do it, but yeah, we yeah. have time limitations. People are busy. Mm-hmm. So then at least whenever you feel like it's necessary, explicitly signaling like, hey, you cannot trust me on this. Yeah. <laughs> feels such a weird thing to do as a PhD, but it, according to this definition, it just follows, right? Yeah, just follows. Yeah. Nothing bad about it. I mean, of yeah. course, you have to build this expertise. And the yeah. same would be if I would do something for the first time and we would right. collaborate and I do something and I have no idea. I, I should just honestly say, like, yeah. I don't think you can trust what I've done here. I tried, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So we don't do this, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, maybe working on stuff that is, you know, important and has some you have you any and everybody that's working on it has has some stake in it right because if mm-hmm. i'm doing something for you but you also are invested in it being correct and done well and right then hopefully you'll have you know the necessary motivation to want to go and check and make sure right i mean if we were mm-hmm. doing some kind of medical procedure together and i had to you know sew to a vein or something right like there's <laughs> the stakes are high and it's something important so ideally right people yeah. would make sure to check that you're doing things well if other things depend on it, right? Yeah, so I think this is it. So I think you say people would uh, check to make sure, you know, that somebody somebody's checked this, right? They would yeah. make sure somebody checks this. And I think this is it. So, I mean, I just spent too much of my summertime was in the in the hospital. Yeah. People, people are not volunteering to double check things. Right. I mean, there is just a system in place. Somebody designed yeah. the system so yeah. that, you know, if you go into surgery, there are these checklists, there are mm-hmm. these things yeah. um, to make sure that things that are important are double checked. Exactly. For example. Yeah. And, and they don't leave it to chance or to people figuring out to do this by themselves. And or their own benevolence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and we don't really do this. Um, now, there is... Uh, I think awareness of this issue. Uh, mm. I also read a, a paper that was nice and discussed this. Um, and it's a paper by Julia Strand. It just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we should also say like, there is just no old stuff on this. And we searched long and hard, right? Mm. To, but, but it's difficult to find old things about trust in science. It seems to be a topic sort of, you know, 80s or something. It starts to emerge. Um, before that, it wasn't so much of an issue. I mean, I wonder if it's because 
I mean, typically science was not a very high value, high, you, you know, um, status job. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Anyway, I could be wrong, but I don't think right. So it's like mm-hmm. you have you you had to worry fewer about people who'd be coming in for the wrong reasons because that's what it means, right? If you're doing something with scientific integrity and right, mm-hmm. like like if if you're not getting any benefit out of being in this job, right? It's not a cushy job. You're getting paid like mm-hmm. hundreds and thousands of dollars a year, and you know tens and thousands of dollars for speaking gigs and all this stuff, right? I mean, there's now so much like I think fame and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. money and just like cushy jobs attached to it that you now have to worry about yeah people who are not coming in with mm-hmm. and not not to say that they're not competent you know people but it's yeah. it might be like we're missing that part of like doing it for the right reason maybe yeah it could be one one factor at play also just increased productivity i think over time you just write more papers so much than stuff. we used yeah. to so mm-hmm. then you know there's always a speed accuracy trade off with everything i would say yeah. and um and yeah yeah so those things play a role and then of course this uh, cognitive division of labor and specialization right. that just requires us to check more yeah um but um so so maybe for these reasons you know it's probably like the earliest airplane you could just do everything by yourself and now in an airplane there are people who are closing the doors it's not the pilot anymore right somebody right. else is closing the door uh-huh. so we also need a procedure to check right. and this is close to my department my work at a human mm-hmm. factors department mm-hmm. right so that's also why i like this paper by julia strand um, it appears in psychological methods it's uh, error tight that's the name of the paper and mm-hmm. it has exercises for labs to develop procedures to prevent mm-hmm kind of mistakes to double check um, all sorts of things and uh, of course I mean there are recommendations for things like detailed record keeping mm-hmm. um, sort of developing yeah. standard operating procedures that mm-hmm. if people do things that there is a procedure to follow and everybody yeah. follows it the same way um, but also uh, checking each other's work and just making this part of the procedure mm-hmm. instead of yeah, I don't know where I was. There were no rules like this. Nobody said what we were supposed to do, uh, which is sort of like coming into a modern airplane and saying, I don't know, who's who's closing the door? Like, did anybody <laughs> check? Yeah, I mean, no, we prefer to have some procedures in place. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice, nice paper to read on this aspect of the checking. You know, how do we build a system of doing this checking? Um, now, one question that I think was maybe the starting point for this podcast. So we just go back to our poor PhD student. Mm-hmm. First year PhD student lacking expertise. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is a mistake, yeah, who's actually responsible for this mistake? The PhD student or the supervisor who are supposed to check the work? Yeah, you tell me. I don't supervise <laughs> PhD students. <laughs> who do you think is responsible? I, I have no idea. I mean, we never talk about this. I don't yeah. know where the the division of responsibility lies. I think. Uh, I, I think actually, if you don't have clear uh, agreement on how you work about these things, I think nobody's responsible for our mistakes, right? Yeah. Well, I think it it might partly depend on what the mistake is, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's something that you should expect the PhD student to be able to do, mm-hmm. um, and they have just been sloppy, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they weren't careful in what they should have known how to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if it was like opening an Excel file or putting something, you know, like, yeah. Right. Like yeah. then if it's a sloppy mistake that they should have where they should have known better, then mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's the responsibility of the student 
Mm-hmm. But if it's maybe like a higher level, like, oh, there was a confound, you know, mm-hmm. in the study design that we should not have expected a first year student to be able to identify, like I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then I think it would fall to the yeah. PI, right? That the, yeah. the PhD student was not in a position to to be able to see that, right? But you should have been more careful. So I, I think it probably depends on what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, so it would be useful to assign this responsibility a little bit more explicitly. Yeah. So we know who does what and who checks what. Checks right? what, And just yeah. leave it open. Like, so basically it means all the Excel coding stuff. Yeah. PhD student double checks. Uh, experimental design, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Supervisor double checks. And I think in a process, because we often don't have procedures for this, like, mm-hmm. you know, where is the moment where we do this check? Mm-hmm. In collaborations, I also notice sometimes that I say, hey, but wait, wait a second. We're going in, like I had a project a while ago where we were collecting a huge number of items. We're doing an item, a measurement validation mm-hmm, project. Mm-hmm. And there were all these items generated. It's a big team of people. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of, sh- you know, division of responsibility. Or diffusion of responsibility. Yeah. Diffusion <laughs> of responsibility, yeah. exactly. And um, so at a certain moment, I was just like, but wait a second, I think I remember starting going through this list of items, but have we actually all gone through gone this through entire it. list before mm-hmm. we're moving to the next stage? Yeah. And then it really was this situation where somebody's like, yeah, but uh, but we're already ready to go to the next stage. Yikes. I mean, are yeah. we going back in circles? Like, come on, I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. And like, yeah, but did we check this, you know? And then uh, you don't want to be annoying. You don't want to yeah. hold everybody back. And eventually we decided, well, okay, no, but we didn't have a full check, but we can move on to the next stage, but then we'll build in this check somewhere else. And But anyway, this process, you know, sometimes I just wonder, like, who checked this stuff? And there is no organized system for keeping track of this. So it feels weird, especially, again, if these philosophers of science are like, no, no, this is what scientists do. They check They're each all checking. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, may, uh, uh. maybe they mean it at the higher level of, right, like you publish something and then I check it and I then counter it, you know, in the yeah. publication, right? So it's like a longer term thing that they're thinking of, right? We're skeptical of each other's ideas on a broader level yes. instead of sort of checking things, you know, at the sort of micro level that we're talking about. And then I think especially for those really important or attention grabbing cases, yeah. yes, of course, they are People on Twitter are get gonna, on fights, you know, yeah, like, exactly, and they're going to look at every little detail. <laughs> yeah. um, and and if you analyze a couple of anecdotes like this, it looks like scientists are really checking each other. Yeah. but I think most, most of, of the daily business we do is just rarely double checked. So, yeah. and you raise yeah. the important point of like, if you are the person who's like, oh, we should be checked, right? Like, if I'm like, oh, somebody should check my work, I'm asking mm-hmm. them to do additional work, and people don't seem to like that. <laughs> no, they're like, no. why are you making things more difficult for everybody? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I hear this all the time, uh, yeah. really all the time. Also from PhD students, if because it's also a little bit of an individual difference in how um, conscientious. Well, I guess so. Yeah, how conscientious yeah. you are. So yeah. some people are like, no, no, but I really think we should double check everything. Where did this thing come from? I want to follow it back, and you know that just takes more time. Yeah, and then if people are like, oh yeah, you're being so, you know, you're holding everything right. uh, back and uh, you're s- slowing things down. Yeah. I mean, so you get into this whole social conflict situation, basically, yeah. because we have no clear guidelines of who's mm-hmm. supposed to check what, where, yeah. when. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just awkward uh, that we don't have this. Um, I was also reading um, a paper about even this higher level checking. Mm-hmm. 
and whether we can trust scientists here. And I think this is a, a nice quote that I just want to highlight about mm -hmm. whether we can actually trust uh, scientists to make claims. So whether scientists can trust each other as well. This is by a paper, uh, a paper by Jeroen de Ridder. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's a Dutch um, philosopher of science. And uh, also 2021, how to trust a scientist. Mm -hmm. And he basically says that um, if the prevailing methodological standards are conductive to the production of relatively weak evidence, Mm -hmm. as we now know is the case for large parts of contemporary biomedical and social science, mm -hmm. so he's been reading up on our, our crises, yeah. then scientists should not be very confident that published claims are likely to be true. If under an epistemically more ideal scientific regime, um, methodological standards are strict and widely obeyed, scientific testimony would become more reliable and scientists could perhaps become justified in trusting each other to be reliable. So he is basically saying that even at this higher level, yeah. if we are not following the right methods, then this checking at this higher level is also not going to be so meaningful. And I thought this was actually an interesting point because yeah, this is how we ended up with a literature that's not completely trustworthy, right? Yeah, but then what is the right method? How do you yeah. know? <laughs> well, how you know, I think that is, of course, the tricky thing. Like yeah. how you know that you don't are not making a mistake. And I think that is, so he's basically saying, um, one of his main points actually is saying that you trust a scientist is a little bit of a weird statement because how do you know that you can trust them? What you should say is, I trust that given the prevailing methodological standards, what mm. they say is the most reliable thing. But exactly, if these standards are not clear, and I think maybe indeed he makes it a little bit too easy to say, look, there are reliable methods and unreliable methods. Yeah, but if yeah. you're in a system, how do you know you're using the reliable methods? So that's a challenge. But but it does make a, a good point, I think, that yeah. you could be in a system where yeah, people are checking things and following current methodologies, and you still end up with things that are not trustworthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what's um, tricky about it, right? You could be doing everything right, but still still end mm -hmm. up in producing results that are not trustworthy. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a complicated thing. And it brings me, it, yeah, I mean, there's this quote where he's talking, where Hardwick is talking about, like, the scientific community has no alternative but to trust, including mm -hmm. trust in the character of its members. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the, the modern pursuit of scientific knowledge is increasingly and unavoidably a cooperative enterprise, like we, like we were talking about. Um, cooperation, non-intellectual self-reliance is key virtue, is a key virtue in any scientific community. But mm -hmm. epistemic cooperation is possibly only on the basis of reliance on the testimony of others. Yeah. Right. Scientific propositions often must be accepted on the basis of, of evidence that only others have. Right. So yeah. even if I'm reading something where I'm trying to figure out what the methods are, I mean, I still have to rely on other people's testimony of, you know, oh, this is what you should do or that's what you should do. Um, yeah. And even there, yeah. it's it, yeah, it's tricky to know. Right. Because you don't know. You have to trust other people for it. And if they're telling you, yeah, just run this test and that's right. Yeah. Right. Like, how, how, how are you supposed to know whether you're doing the yeah. right thing or not? No, exactly. And I think um, so. So there's no clear solution. Nobody's no. going to tell us like you got everything right. Um, and one way to stress test 
whether we're right and whether things are trustworthy is I think invite as much criticism on what we've done. So, you know, exactly as maybe Paul Connor was saying, like, yeah, the moment that, you know, a Twitter mob comes over, over <laughs> yeah. I wish they would do it earlier. Uh, yeah. Well, I think nobody finds this a very pleasurable uh, experience, but um, yeah, criticism, uh, real criticism, and then uh, seeing if you can uh, withstand criticism that is a very good test of what has been going on. And especially if it's from a diverse group of people, then, yeah. uh, you know, they might know other methods. They have right. other ways of checking your work. And, yeah. um, and yeah. constructive criticism, I think, is mm-hmm. important, right? Mm-hmm. So not people just saying you did something wrong, but, oh, you you might have, this might be wrong for this reason, and this is what you might look into instead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that there is some way to... Um, correct any weakness for example you know that you can follow up on it not just saying like oh this is all stupid and something like this but really like okay but this would only be true if if you check it like this this also boils down to being you know the answer and okay Um, and I think um, I was also reading uh, a a blog this is a blog post by um, Duigu Uyguntunk used to be my collaborator Neindhoven now an assistant Mm -hmm. professor in the University of Chicago and Mm -hmm. um, it's a blog series about trust and criticism in science and I think um, she points out something that I thought was interesting because we also fell a little bit for uh, the organized skepticism by Robert Merton you know Mm -hmm. this uh, Mm -hmm. idea of organized skepticism and um, but she points out well skepticism is really not what what we're doing here it's not skepticism it's not that you listen to somebody and you're just skeptical Mm -hmm. no it is rational criticism Mm. So this is the Popperian kind of rational criticism where you try to falsify, you try to prove people wrong. It's not that you're skeptical about it. You don't even have to be skeptical. You could just be the devil's advocate. You could just mm-hmm. take on this role. Um, but but in any case, that I think is a better uh, term for what we're trying to do in science to you know see if it can withstand rational criticism. And then hopefully, yeah, we can trust a little bit more. I mean, it's always uncertain, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. So more adversarial collaborations, you think, would help? Yeah, those kind of mechanisms, I think, that we talked about earlier as well. And like, you know, uh, talking about confirmation bias and and skepticism. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so this sort of inviting people to um, criticize things that you've done. Uh, And maybe even at a very low level, you know, at every aspect. So if somebody can take a look at your data, for example, Mm -hmm. your raw data and how you've organized the data or stuff like this, or even, I would say, rational criticism also involves your pre-registration. You know, it's not fine to just say, but I pre-registered, isn't it good enough? No, Mm -hmm. no. It's about what you pre-registered and, you know, which claims you make in your paper and whether they actually follow from your plan or not and whether you're transparent about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, but that's hard work, right? Like, even even reading pre-registrations is not, like, an easy task. You really have to dig into, okay, what what are they trying to say? What were their hypotheses? And people are not that clear about what they're doing and... You know, yeah. what, why yeah. they came to add and what they actually were saying they do. And people, you can be super vague in your pre-registrations, right? No, com- completely true. And yeah. But in this sense, I feel, yeah, there's not so much we can do about this. If you want things to be trustworthy, it seems mm-hmm. like, you know, just checking stuff other people have done. And it's always going to cost time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's possible. no way around it. I mean, I think there's a relatively early paper, 2000, maybe 14 or something. I know. Um, I think Jelte Wichertz from Tilburg University wrote a paper about a co-pilot model. He's mm. basically saying it's weird that a single person analyzes the data and that yeah. is it. Mm-hmm. So this co-pilot, again, these airplane metaphors, we're really in the human factors <laughs> domain, I feel here, you know, like, why is there a second pilot? Yeah, because yeah. of safety. And, you know, you can trust that they will land the airplane if you make a mistake. Right. Um, so, I mean, most of the time it can still go wrong, but anyway, it's better. But yeah, also a co-pilot, basically double checking, double work. So yeah. all these rules that make things more trustworthy, mm-hmm. yeah, will also slow you down. Which is your favorite thing, right? That's your favorite yeah, solution to slow. a lot of problems anyway. Exactly. Do it slowly and carefully, right? I mean, I would much rather have, I mean, and I do think in academia, we sort of value people who can do things quickly, mm-hmm. right? And faster, like you think, you see it in like, yeah, being able to do yeah. complete tests quickly. We see it in be, being able to like talk or think quickly. We see it in being yeah. able to, you know, publish a lot of shit quickly. Sorry, I shouldn't yeah. say it like that. Publish a lot of Maybe things it's quickly. Good. Yeah, exactly. But I had the same. Today, I saw somebody say something very positive about somebody. Like, oh, they're doing interesting work. And also, how are they so productive? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. being very productive mm-hmm. is good. And of course, being productive, if everything is, is also trustworthy thing. and well mm-hmm. done, is mm-hmm. good. But yeah, if you're just productive because, you know, you're very fast and a little bit sloppy. Yeah. And also, yeah, these things like documenting all your steps and things like this, right. it's just going it to cost time. time. And I think, I mean, I think I mentioned this before. There's, uh, yeah, something that Carol Dweck had published where she said back in her day, and I remember telling it, to, I think I mentioned it before too, but I mentioned telling it mm-hmm. to a faculty member here who's, you know, not not young, he's in his 60s, and he was like, but she's even, she's been, you know, in the field even before I, she got a PhD even before I did. And she had, what she was saying is that back in her day, for people to publish while in during their PhD was looked down upon because mm-hmm. it meant mm-hmm. that you weren't being thoughtful and careful enough in yeah. what you were doing. And I'm, and I'm not, again, I mean, I think there's, you know, if you can do things fast and do them well, of course, that has a lot of value in it. Right. Yeah. Like if you and if you think about people who are doing, I mean, who are in high stake positions where you have to make decisions very quickly. Right. If you're in the medical field, if you're, you know, an airline operator or something and you need to make quick decisions. I mean, of course, that there's value in that. Right. But at mm-hmm. least I think in the domains we're in, we should, you know, focus a lot more on, yeah, maybe doing things slowly, but very, very carefully. Right. Because once ideas are out there. Once you've mm-hmm. published a paper and it's out there, there's no way to put it back, right? Like it's if if it's there's something wrong, fundamentally yeah. wrong with it, it was going to be very hard to correct that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And I think if you leave it to people themselves about where this threshold should be of how yeah. careful we need to be. I mean, we don't ask air you know, airplane pilots how how many checks do you want to do in this checklist? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? No, somebody else, some expert on this matter says, look, these are the rules and everybody has to follow them because that's just a level of safety that we've agreed with each other we want to have, you know? Yeah. And and that would be lovely because, yeah, then you don't have to worry about this yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And most yeah, people are lazy, to... including myself, right? Like people, nobody wants to do extra work if yeah. they don't have to. Yeah. You know? No, and, and I feel like this, uh, there are two things. Sometimes you don't know how well you've checked something. So you're right. involved in many collaborations. Mm-hmm. And today I had this talking to a PhD student who was doing the proofs. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going through these proofs. And I'm like, this sentence here, mm-hmm. why is this sentence so weird? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gone through peer review. 
uh, even the you know editors whatever uh, in the journal you know uh, checked all the yeah. writing well whatever that means nowadays almost uh-huh. nothing but okay <laughs> I mean and I'm just where why is this sentence here and then we all missed this sentence and yeah. he's like yeah okay this is the last moment we can read it through I'm gonna very carefully read it through but you're just like yeah so even now we missed this people are busy it just you know yeah very carefully sitting and reading a paper i would do it the first paper the second paper the third and after a while you're like yeah i'm you know most of the time it's fine sure Mm -hmm. no no it's not most of the time it's not fine Mm -hmm. somebody should just say carefully read you know this takes so much time um because otherwise yeah you just yeah it's lazy also a bit overconfident you become overconfident like well i haven't made a mistake for a very long time this is also what happens you know a bit of overconfidence and yeah so when i was in school our teachers would tell us yeah I th- silly mistakes in math, right? You can mm-hmm. make silly mistakes where you've just left out, you know, a negative sign, right? Or it's a mm-hmm. negative instead of a positive and your whole answer is wrong, right? It's a big fat zero because you mm-hmm. made one small mistake because you were just not being careful enough. So it will always be like, don't be... And I think I've said it before, like, yeah, here mm-hmm. I've never heard an American person talk about not being overconfident. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's no such thing where we were always like, don't be overconfident. Like, constantly, like, be checking your own work. I think that also goes for your thinking, right? You should be questioning things that you believe or even things that you think are like, oh, we're fairly certain that's true. Like, yeah, yeah, be be questioning of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's true. So, and those things will take a little bit more time. Um, And I think in general, this is the thing where open science, um, you know, some people say, look, there are selfish reasons to engage in these practices. And I think actually Julia Strand herself is a nice example of this. Mm -hmm. I think she made uh, a mistake in a paper. I Mm -hmm. think, I Mm -hmm. don't know exactly the details, but they were quite consequential mistakes. And Mm. then you realize like, oh, wait, if I make a mistake, the consequences can be really uh, high. So uh, it is worth double checking this kind of thing. But for science as well, you know, um, which I guess in open science, which is why we're trying to do these kind of things, um, right. make things more open. To have some checks and, and balances. Yeah. So yeah, somebody will catch. Yeah. 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 And allow other people to to check things. And I think um, there's a paper by Samin Vazir about this, um, where she writes, she uses um, uh, lemons as cars, like buying used cars, um, where you also want to have some trustworthiness, basically, of uh, the the claims, right? Um, and mm-hmm. um, so she says, without high levels of transparency in scientific publications, journal editors, reviewers, and readers of scientific manuscripts are in a similar positions as buyers of used cars. They cannot reliably tell the difference between lemons and high quality findings. <laughs> and yeah, you also have to trust that, you know, this secondhand car that you're buying, that the people who say, no, no, you know, an old grandma drove it and everything was reliable. <laughs> you're like, well, maybe I can just open the hood and take a look inside, you know? Yeah. I mean, A, that also requires time and expertise. And B, I guess <laughs> that's interesting because what you're saying makes me think that it's not just the trustworthiness of the researchers, but also the checkers that we need to, right? No, yeah. if you're responsible for checking, right, if you're a reviewer of a paper and everybody, they have made everything available, are you also mm-hmm. going and then doing your due diligence and checking everything yeah. Um, yeah. to make sure it's right? And that's, right, there's no incentive for that, right? There's absolutely no incentive to do that well because it's not yeah. your paper. Yeah, who cares? 
Yeah. True, and also no incentive to honestly say you don't have expertise. We talked to about this it. in the previous yeah. episode on peer review. Mm-hmm. People rarely will say, oh, by the way, I skipped all this part in the results section because I don't understand what these numbers actually mean, you know? So uh, don't trust my judgment on this. Somebody else mm-hmm. should check it. Often people just glaze over it, just like, okay. So yeah, on the checker part. We also need all these aspects, yeah. basically, of trustworthiness. Exactly. And I guess that is why it sort of it has to be a mutual system of people who are, you know. And again, it's sort of weird to focus on these, what are almost like personality characteristics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like, because then, yeah, like, if you have people that are just super low conscientious on mm-hmm. low on conscientiousness, like, what do you what do you do about that? Do we just give yeah. a personality test to people? In yeah. before they start their PhD and be like, yeah, not you, because yeah, you, know, yeah. you you will <laughs> yeah. do sloppy work. Like, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly. And then and then even with all of this, we just don't mention it. We just leave it open to yeah. you know. Hopefully, it fixes itself. And this, yeah, yeah, it just seems peculiar thing. Such an important role to play, trust in science, and we just leave it open to nothing. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe a topic to think a little bit more. Uh, so these error tight uh, lab exercises might be fun for the next uh, lab outing. You know, not go bowling, <laughs> but but do all the error tight exercises in this paper. Yeah, but it is an interesting to think about, like how we can increase. We so I'm helping run this like big replication project and we Mm -hmm. are pairing people up to check each other's work Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to get everybody to right like if you're in a team and you Mm -hmm. and we were talking earlier about like you know phd and and the pi the advisor and i think both people should take equal responsibility for stuff Mm -hmm. right like if you're in a team isn't that the point of being in a team that you need teamwork and that means that all of us share the responsibility that this is the best work that we can possibly do so i will check you know i will do my due diligence and you do your due diligence and of course Mm -hmm. in some cases you would have more expertise than i would to do certain things but you know the other stuff that i'm doing that's sort of maybe lower level like i can make sure right so i think everybody should and i'm and i'm you know trying to impress on that like once it's published, everybody's name is going to be on it, right? Like, you, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm, nobody mm-hmm. wants to have a paper that's retracted or that's getting questioned for for its integrity or that we haven't done, right? Like, we don't want to be in that position, right? Like, all yeah. of us have the responsibility to do this well, right? Yeah, that is what you would think because ideally, um, we would hold it against people if they don't do something that yeah. is uh, reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, there's a paper by Fricker also on the topic of trust, uh, mm-hmm. and there, there he writes: Can we trust others because be, um, bad behavior will be punished? Right? I mean, yeah. so uh, mm-hmm. he, he writes: Unreliability is likely to be subsequently discovered and highly penalized. But that's another one of those things where I think, really, yeah, is that true? <laughs> so your your name is on a paper, and it turns out not to be reliable, or there's a mistake. Does it really? Is it highly penalized? Is that the reason we do it? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No, which it's is, not enough. It's not enough. You have it's to not enough, yeah. send a human factors expert to all your you know, student doing the replication mm-hmm. project and just with a long checklist say, look, walk through all these steps. Check, check, yeah. check, check, check. Done. Have you ever programmed? I mean, it, it, this is such an educational experience for me in terms of coding. You know, We run our analysis, but then when you make a package, so I've oh, made a couple of R packages. You have to run the, what do they call it, unit tests. 
unit tests. Like yeah, I didn't even tests, know this yeah. thing exists. And mm-hmm. in my first package, I didn't have any. But you start to build in yeah. tests. And mm-hmm. anytime you compile your package, yeah. it will run functions that you've created, which Make should sure. give certain answers. So mm-hmm. you can say something in a unit test, like, okay, run this test. Mm-hmm. It should never give a negative value. Yeah. If it gives a negative value, I've me- I've messed up my code. So these kind of testing procedures, you're like, why don't we build these in all the time? I mean, you know, so these practices exist, Yeah. but we don't use them. Uh, programmers do, but we don't. Well, yeah, but also they, I mean, but also they're, what looks like things working is more clear there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a clearer criteria of what the outcome should be. So you can build yeah. in those checks because then you're like, oh, I know that's what answer I should expect. So you can yeah. build a check to make sure that's working when that's not the case, which is a lot of the case. Right. Yeah. Like, well, how is a statistical test supposed to turn out? Yeah. Who, or who or even like, is there a confound in exactly. this experimental yeah. design? Yeah. Like, exactly. check, check, check. I mean, making a checklist for that is more difficult. Completely you can't agree, do it. So. Yeah. No. So, no. I mean, I totally no. get it. Like for for, for other yeah. things where the, where the where the criteria for what counts as success yeah. or like right, like then it's easy to do that. But, but when when but yeah. still, but still, yeah, no, but still, I, I don't know. We could give it a try. I don't know how far. I mean, it would be a very long checklist, maybe. But I don't know. It would be interesting but, to see how far we can get. I don't know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I agree with you. I think having at least yeah. having a thoughtful discussion and making a list of oh, these are the things that should be double checked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, is probably yeah. important first step in being like, OK, you know, this stuff yeah. needs to we need to be careful about this stuff. Let's make a list of what those are and who will check yeah. it. Whose responsibility is it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And where, and one, where are the places thing, where we can catch mistakes? Yeah. 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 And one thing I think it's also a recommendation in this paper by Julia Strand is um, you can build in a mistake so you you have all the data in the replication project you build in a mistake somewhere and you just tell them like okay there's, know, a, there's mistake, a mistake and it. if you didn't find it then you didn't check everything carefully enough you know and also these kind of things are done by the way right yeah uh, I, uh, I, in other fields I threatened my committee to put fraudulent data in my dissertation <laughs> just so it would force them to. <laughs> I was to like, otherwise, it, not to be there. Now yeah. you have to read it. Otherwise, it's going to be like, well, look at these people that signed off on this uh, fraudulent dissertation. I'll be like, I'll take everybody down. Yeah, <laughs> with me. Yeah. Yeah, raising the odds. I like it. Yeah. Very good idea. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Nullius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share, you can reach us over email at nulliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we discussed epistemic trust and the roles that individual scientists play in its development. We talked about whether collaborators and advisors are responsible for double-checking the work of novices to ensure that research can be trusted. In the next episode, we'll continue discussing the role of mentorship and the responsibilities of both mentors and mentees in the scientific process. We hope you will join us.